I hate that voice and never will not. <sighs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to this really kind of wildly happenstance episode of 3DMs. Um, our buddy Lance can't be on today because important stuff is happening that I don't know if I have clearance to talk about. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> yeah, but instead we have a really cool guest. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit if you want, Star, and just, yeah. Nah, the I'm, audience just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna, oh? like, be here. I'm not gonna, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me what to Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, hey, guys, I'm Star, also known as Savannah, over from over at the Lawful Stupid Podcast. Uh, you may know me as Asla with a Kelbold. Um, and if you've ever hung out in the Lawful Stupid Discord, you've also probably seen me around. Um, but yeah, so. I've been playing a very long time. I've been gaming for quite a while, so I'm excited to talk some D and D today. Yeah, Hell we yeah. have we have quite a few questions from both the Lawful Stupid server and our own. Which I was kind of frankly surprised at. Like we only announced this a couple of days ago, so this was very impromptu. But you know what? The best things in life are. Oh what, yeah, where, 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 best where? Th- the best things in life are spontaneous. Also, yes. the worst things. Looking at you, Kvass Mint Ice Cream Float. What? <laughs> what? Did I not tell you guys the story of the Kvass Float? I don't. I don't know if we have. I don't know if we should go into it. And you know what? Go off. <laughs> All right. So this has I'm nothing offic- to do I'm, with D and D. However, I'm officially given up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Back at university, one of my friends got a hold of some Russian soda called kvass. Now, for those of you, most of you, who aren't familiar with kvass, it is a soda that, by its creation process, should ostensibly have alcohol in it. But no, it's made from rye and barley, and I swear to all the gods above and below that haven't been killed yet, that it tastes like Vegemite and soy sauce had a very angry hate sex child it's oh, Jesus, just why? it's horrific <laughs> so we <laughs> fucked around with it a little bit at the last game night but the real the real just hell uh, hell drink came about when we were studying for our chemistry final and you know finals week is just completely lawless it's like yeah. living in purgatory <laughs> yeah it really is um so my friend and i were studying and they said why don't we take a study break? And I said, okay. And they said, I'm going to make myself an uh, ice cream float. I'm like, okay, uh, what are you going to make it with? And they pull out the mint chocolate chip ice cream from the freezer. And I thought, oh, okay. And then they pulled out the fucking kvass from the fridge. And my <laughs> first thought and only thought was, no! This cannot go well. Oh my God. I, I I warned them repeatedly that it was a horrible idea, and they went and made it anyways. They took one bite, sip, I don't know what you would call that in an ice cream float, but they just, like, they tasted it. And I watched their face go through all five stages of grief <laughs> in about 0.2 seconds. And they just settled on complete distraught confusion. And the first words out of their mouth were, Why is the median orange juice? What? <laughs> I confirmed this by tasting it myself, and I will describe this for you in detail. So, 
The first thing you taste is the kvass. It is horrific, as I described before. It tastes like just disappointment in liquid form. <laughs> the the aftertaste is that of peppermint peppermint ice cream. However, the kvass has sucked all the fun out of peppermint ice cream, so it just tastes like peppermint drywall and sadness. <laughs> but for a split half second in between the two, they combine to form bad citrus? <laughs> like orange juice, but after you've brushed your teeth, orange juice. Oh no! Oh my gosh, why? Overall, why this exist? is just the worst drink possible they drank the whole goddamn thing what because Did they it died? Kind of weak, and we were studying we ended up studying for nine and a half hours and we wanted to die so i think that was why. that was how they planned on dying apparently yeah. <laughs> apparently <laughs> oh man oh my god it's one hell of a warm-up yes indeed so without further ado let's get dungeony and dragony Okay. <laughs> now that we have that in our thoughts. Yeah, Woo! right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a question from Livy. <laughs> hey guys, what are some good DD snacks? <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Not that I like, I like to snack while I play, but I don't want to be loud or distracting. Gvoss mint ice cream float. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's death. That's like the, the chaotic evil of snacks. Um, Gummies. I are we talking about like at the table or are we talking about like at, on a Skype call? Because I think it really depends. <laughs> I think it does depend. Uh, it kind of does depend. Although crunchy snacks, as as wonderful as they are, you kind of want to avoid right. crunchy it's snacks in both scenarios. Bags and stuff. <clears throat> Livy's, exp- Livy's explicit criteria was they don't want to be loud or distracting while they eat. You could just have like the, the steak. If you, have, if you have something that's in a packaging, you just go ahead and like unwrap it because i we actually recorded some awful stupid when i had the flu one time and i just like before the session i just like unwrapped like five or six cough drops and sat them on my desk for me to use that makes sense that makes sense also never ever underestimate the power of a sandwich this is true yeah yeah i was gonna suggest gummies gummies are pretty good yeah Yeah, that was my that would be my first suggestion sour gummy worms Gummies are all over, and you could pay, take your pick. You could. Gummies are just so versatile. We usually <laughs> have bad. pizza at my house when we start. Uh, start pizza's a, a good one. Pizza's yeah. a pizza's a staple. Pizza's, pizza's like iconic. Yeah. Speaking of bad crunchy snacks, though, I am currently eating an apple because it is three thirty p.m. and I have not eaten at all today. Oh, That's no. fair. That's not fun. Uh, if you want a less crunchy fruit, maybe a banana. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Grapes. Although Grapes. eating that at the table could lead to some <laughs> could could lead could lead some places. It's true. It does depend on never the, fails. On the, it does depend on the mental maturity of your. You know, no, it doesn't. Oh, come on. You <laughs> it know, really doesn't. Bananas are funny. Is going to make a comment. It does yeah. not matter. Any group of people are going you to might make as well a suggest comment. eating a cucumber at the table. Yep, <laughs> it's true. Hot dog. <laughs> Eat, take a potato and eat it raw like an apple. Yes. <laughs> you jest, but I have done that. <laughs> you like potatoes, huh? Guess we'll also, call another you call out post. Another call-out post while we're on the topic of table snacks. Jason, make your fucking guac before we start the session! 
again. It is worth repeating, I suppose. Oh my gosh. Well, Livy, thank you for this. We hope you've given you... <laughs> yeah, we hope it's given you some answers, and uh, the recipe for the Kavas ice cream float will be burned in the fiery depths of Gehenna, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so hopping over to Waffle Stupid for a question that might be a bit jarringly real. Um, <laughs> our our friend, our friend Dwayne, hi Dwayne. Uh, hi Dwayne. He, he, he ran campaign one and is now playing Delmore asks, how do you suppress the urge to correct another DM mid-session? It figures that Dwayne would ask this question. It really does. <laughs> so how, you don't, so how... coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay, so that's the thing is, A, you kind of have to feel it out, and like, do you have a, a previous relationship with this DM? Is it someone that you feel like will take like, criticism well? Or B, like, just like, if it's something to do with your character, and it's going to like, impede your ability to play your character, or do this damage or make this attack, then call it out, like, in a nice way. Don't say, hey, you're wrong, you're a terrible DM. That's never the way to do it, but, like, it's like, hey, uh, can we double-check that rule? Because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, there's, it's all about the context. It's also about what you're gonna call them out on. Yeah, yeah don't flame or shame them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from, I think, I think from... if, it, if you're calling them out on something that they've explicitly said is a house rule, then... Right. Then well, you... then... Maybe you just need to be reminded that it's a house rule. I don't know. But like, I know for exactly. me, um, when I'm DMing, I will never feel offended if someone asks me, hey, is that rule correct? Is that how you do that rule? Because God knows I don't know all the rules to this freaking game. Jesus. It's true. It's true. Then like, And I started DMing with Pathfinder. That was hard enough. Like 5e is a dream compared to that. But like there was <laughs> so like, – I, re- I relied. I was like, okay – Guys, what is the rule for grappling? Because God knows the rules for grappling in, in Pathfinder are stupid. Like, there's an entire chart, a flow chart for how to grapple uh, characters. Uh, but yeah, so like, I if someone's like, hey, can we double check that rule? Like, I've never offended. Like, okay, I might be wrong. Let's double check. Let's get it right. Hmm. Yeah, I think in general, it's just kind of comes down. To- I really like the yeah. phrasing that you use, especially with, is that how you do this? Yes. Like, because if you don't know if something's a house rule or how it's actually done or if they're just making a mistake, you can always just ask, like, hey, uh, I, I think this is I've seen this done differently. Is that how you do this? Mm-hmm. It's not so much calling out the DM for being wrong as it is starting a dialogue with them about is that the correct way or is that how you do it? Is that how we're going to do it in this conversation or this game? Right. Right. And I'll even throw in here, sometimes that could give a DM an idea. Yes. Maybe oh, yeah. they've maybe they've been maybe they've known a way their whole time because it's what the book said or it's like you know, or it's because it's what their DM taught them. But then mm-hmm. you say like, Hey, is that how you do this? Because I learned it this way and then your DM goes, Well shit, that's cool. I'm doing it that way now. Yeah, that's so much easier. So long as you're being respectful, yeah, you you really can. You can ask about anything, quite frankly. Yeah, but it, there's a difference between, hey, uh, is that the way you do this? Because this is how I learned it, and like stopping you're... the game to Phoenix write this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Objection. <laughs> <laughs> 
because because and maybe you find out this is also mm. again context is important yeah context <laughs> because if this is this guy's first time dming give him a break yeah exactly it, it again it really does depend <clears throat> but i think in general it's just everything is on the table if you ask nice yeah you never know if you don't ask exactly Hey. Don't be mean to Shanesaw. He's doing his best. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So the fun thing about playing with Shanesaw is he and I both started with 3.5. So sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll like introduce a more complicated version of a rule. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. And then Dwayne's like, uh. And Perry, like, Ray is like, uh. <laughs> Just calling her Perry now. It's fine. Amazing. That, I suppose that is the curse of Pathfinder. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we've thoroughly answered that question. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Moving back. Oh, here's one. Uh, again, from our dear friend Livy. Uh, <clears throat> well, okay, this one's kind of pigeonhole but I like, I think we can make it more general and fun. <clears throat> the exact question was, how do you run Strodwell? But <gasps> I think, but I think the, I think a more like general version of this could be, how do you handle a character with so much pre-existing lore and history? Oh, in, in okay. D&D? So, okay. I wasn't sure if she was talking about the actual character or the, the campaign in general, because I've heard people say, oh my God, running the Strahd campaign is very hard. My, I think, my answer is don't I run think it she meant by the, the character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think she I, meant the character. I, I mean, I we mean, can address both of it, but I'm totally sort of hands can. off here because all of my stuff is homebrew. All of my stuff is just right. completely yeah. from the attic. I've moved away from homebrew in the past few years because I just tend to not have the time or the extra energy to plan everything, especially every week. So I prefer to just like go to a pre-written book and kind of, you know, get an idea of what they might run across this next time that they play. So then I'm at least somewhat prepared because you can never fully prepare. Um, Right. But I'm actually running Curse of Strahd right now. And so far it is my favorite game that I have ever DM'd. Um, But the thing is, I don't run it by the book. I've actually, I did some, I did a lot of research going into it and I found several ways, uh, like several guides on like, hey, this is how you can flesh this area out more. Or hey, this is how you can make this area more appropriate for this level of characters because the first area that you send them into, the death house, has several places that the characters can just straight up die and they are not prepared for it. Um, So yeah, basically as far as running the game itself, don't run it by the book. If you have some DM experience, use that to your discretion and also look up other ways that people have run these areas and run these games and run these characters. Um, Right. Now, now Strahd himself, the actual character has a ton of backstory, lore, uh, and there's a lot of reading material that you can read in order to get into his head. For instance, I, Strahd, Memoirs of a Vampire is an actual book that is actually like written as Strahd writing his own memoirs about how he became a vampire, how he took over Barovia. And it's very telling to his mindset and the way that he views the things that has happened to him. Uh, there's also several other fiction novels that have been written in the Barovian world uh, regarding different characters. The one that I read when I was doing research for this was uh, Vampire of the Mist. Uh, yeah, Vampire of the Mists. I actually have it on my bookshelf right over here. Uh, <laughs> and that was a really interesting one about what happens when a foreign vampire finds himself in Barovia and having to deal with his host, Strahd. But yeah, it's just doing some research. And this works, you know, for any other, you know, 
ex uh, established character, Mordenkainen, Aserak, uh, Tiamat. Just do some research and, you know, look and see how other DMs have done it. Uh, look what other versions of this character have been written or played, like maybe in previous editions, first edition, second edition. Um, maybe like look at some of the old adventures that were written for previous editions and just do some research. Yeah. I, on the topic of Strahd a little bit, my first character slowly morphed into me realizing he was Vistani. Ooh, that's fun. Uh, he, he was a human wizard. <laughs> I realized, oh, that makes sense. Because it started with a simple quirk of he was really protective about his big wizard hat. <laughs> and then <laughs> no, that, that was the quirk that sent me down the train. Because then I started thinking, okay, well, why? And then I remembered Vistani can be haberdashers. Ooh, he okay. Made his, he made his own hat. That was his only, like, thing of home. Granted, he doesn't like his home one little bit, but you I know. Mean, if you're from Barovia, who would like your home? Right. And because he's Vistani, he basically decided to use his powers to jet, get the fuck out and stay the fuck out. Well, yeah, yeah, because they're about the only ones who can. Right. So that that became like a big thing in his character. And then it also became fun because then a second quirk that came from that was a, a, a phobia of mist. Ooh, that's nice. It, it doesn't have to come like it's it. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. If he's in a misty area, he hates it. It. It just automatically sends him just reeling. So then, of course, my DM decides, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Livy, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't play a little bit on your character's story and their fears and their vulnerabilities as a DM, like, are you even, like, invested? Like, it's come true. On. I appreciated it. But we went from zero to Barovia in about ten seconds. <laughs> I think Spy was there, so I think you'd agree. It was literally zero to ten. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm scared. I'm scared for when we pick that back up. <laughs> That's the best way to be, though. I love it. So, as a player, um, when, when my first, and I was talking to you a little about this before, D, uh, B, wow, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my first DM was not good. Um, he was very selfish. This was his story, and he expected us to solve things in a very specific way. And then when we didn't necessarily solve those things in a specific way, he usually got upset. He usually railroaded us real hardcore. Uh, and so, like, my formative couple of campaigns for D&D kind of, like, made me a very reticent player. I didn't really want to, like, try and correct things. I didn't really want to go off the plot, that kind of stuff, do side quests. But he also, he never really brought in anyone's backstory. So then when I started playing with DMs that know my character's backstory or, you know, involve my character's backstories and actually bring in the goals that they have in this campaign, it was like the freaking hallelujah chorus. And now it's my favorite thing ever when, um, like... For instance, my friend, my, my character's closest friend supposedly died, quote unquote. We recently discovered that he was not dead. He's actually a pit fink and he's actually very angry at my character for allowing him to die, quote unquote. And this has been the most exciting thing that's happened to me in a campaign in a very long time. So I love it when my character's vulnerabilities are exploited and basically you attack them with their own fears. I love it too. 
I think I think the only reason I have some jokey sarcasm about it is the running gag in that campaign is Lucas can't catch a break. Oh <laughs> no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it it was quite. It's like there was, <clears throat> and what's funny about it was like I don't want to go into full details, but the running gag became like every session Lucas is the victim, and it doesn't matter how. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Some, sometimes it's self-imposed because he wants to help and then he gets just shit on by life for wanting to help and other times <laughs> life just shits on him to shit on him and so I brought this up to my DM because it kind of started to get a little feels bad you know and mm-hmm. so I just asked them like hey you know <clears throat> even Can if it's just the session yeah basically because then as, uh, as the person playing them I have to make quick choices every time this happens you know so I asked that, and that was the session we ended up in Barovia. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious, but at the same time, half the session he was locked away. <laughs> so, yeah. Lucas has still not caught a break. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to the main question on hand. Um... I think I think most of what you said is just nailing it there because yeah, just I mean, in the words of Thomas Edison, D and D is one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration, and a hundred percent improvisation. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, but I will say, reading about like the way other people have handled the characters is a good idea. Yes, and also for sure. like, and also like. Don't bring them in if you don't have a reason to, I think is the best way to put it. Well, and Strahd in particular, depending on the way you want to play him, it's often recommended that he needs to be ever-present. Because if you're in Barovia, you're in his land, and um, he is going to have his eye on you once he realizes that you're there. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every time they take a long rest, Strahd's going to show up for tea. But it means that, you know, just something to keep him on the player's minds constantly. And especially your first time going through, it can be kind of hard to figure out exactly what level to like kind of keep that tension at, I guess you could say. Because right. uh, it's like, do you want to have, you know, just a flutter of bats flying around all the time? Or like, do you want to have them make a perception <laughs> check every five minutes to see, do they see Strahd hanging out at the back of their party? You're going to give them a fucking heart attack if you do exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Like, but if you do, if you overdo it too much, if he's there all the time, they're going to be like, oh, hey, Strahd, what's up? Yeah, it's not a threat anymore. He's just Yeah, a there's no threat. <clears throat> what's up, demon and demons? It's me, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> that said, don't be afraid to give your characters a cool rapport with a, with, with a character. Yes. I think there's... another another thing to keep in mind, too, is like you can research, you can look, but then also in the middle of your games, in the middle of your campaign, don't be afraid to be like, okay, guys, how are you feeling about what's going on? Does Strahd right. feel like a threat to you? Does Strahd feel like he doesn't exist to you? Does Strahd feel like he's your homeboy? Like, right. T- give me some feedback on how you're taking this campaign right now so that I can kind of take yeah. that and still mold it to the, to the objective that I have as a DM. Right. And also, don't be afraid to change things a little bit. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's called the D&D that... multiverse for a reason. Yeah, do not play that game by the book. Do not play Strahd by the book. You, make and him even, yours. Make him even, yours. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're good. good. I was just going to say that even in the podcast, we didn't have Strahd, but we had Jarlaxle as an enemy for a while. And 
he was fun because his motivations were wholly based on the story that was going on. Mm-hmm. It was quite simply that there was an artifact the party was looking for, and it was valuable. And seems like a very at-base motivation, but then with time, his relationship, especially with the rogue, with Andre, became very interesting. Mm. Because now that it's all out there, I can spoil it. Essentially, Andre's family came from Luskin, right around the time he took over. Mm-hmm. And so his parent, Andre's parents were some of the few people who were trying to resist. And then the mysterious thing happened and they were never seen or heard from again. <clears throat> you know, how it is. <laughs> and so there's still the problem of this tiny child who could grow up to rat you out. <clears throat> you know? So what is one to do? One kill is the child. to... Well, kill the child is the easy one. But, you know, elaborately speaking, his thought was, his elaborate plan was, essentially, rent a shitty-ass house in the dock ward and basically keep her locked in there. Oh, fun. Lying to her using the hat of disguise, claiming to be her adoptive parent for, like, 12 years. Oh. Oh, man, and that's the big bad? No, that one was Andre's. One of the that best. That was Andre's personal big bad. That was Andre's okay. personal That's big bad. That's still really cool, though, to have that reveal. Oh yeah! By the time that the party, by the time by the time Andre was alive, it was something like by the time Andre was in the campaign, it was something she was vaguely aware of, but she ran because she figured never have to deal with him again if I'm out of Waterdeep. <laughs> That's not true, right? So then, when he came back a knocking they didn't realize that they were at odds with each other for quite a while. Because he was using, like, minions and gang members, you know? Right, right. So when she finally figured out who it was in charge, it was because another group of characters for a one-shot had found that out and told her, not even knowing. Oh, no. that's And so the blow-up was intense. The second-hand knowledge. Oh, that's awesome. So the other characters knew, told her, and they didn't know her backstory. Right, so they had no idea what they were dropping on her head. Exactly. Oh, that's delicious. It was one of my favorite things ever. But yeah, if, you're, if you have a, a famous villain, don't be afraid to let them show off a little bit. Oh, yeah. But also know they're there for the party. Yeah, and making them personally involved, like you just talked about, is all a very fun thing making anything like making the plot anything personally involved with your characters is really the best way to get your players invested honestly it's it's true so moving on uh this one is i think specifically kind of targeted at you but i think we can all answer uh just in general funniest moment you could remember from a campaign you ran oh my god oh, no. <laughs> it was recently or like best. over the years it was followed up Jesus. by best but I think, I think for everyone, it's just whatever one you think you want to talk about that's funny. Hmm. Shit. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, someone asks you, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in D&D? And immediately, everything completely disappears from my head. Oh, I feel that. <laughs> I played D&D? I feel that. Well, I mean, 
Mm. Oh, oh, no, 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 I got it, I got it, I got one. Oh, please, please okay. go on ahead. So, uh, I have been running for the past couple months, I've been running Horde of the Dragon Queen for my two roommates and my one roommate's dad and brother, and then our other friend from high school. So it's a bunch of people, we've all known each other, like, most of our lives, uh, but the, uh, the dad, the brother, and the friend from high school have never played D&D, so this is their first game. So, um, and I'm DMing, and they're in the cultist town at the beginning of the game, it's like their second session, um, and... They're trying to figure out what's going on, and they're trying to rescue all these people and bring them back to the keep. Uh, well, they've already killed a couple cultists, so they have some cultist robes, and then they see some cultists like down the road, and they're like, okay, we should go ask them what's going on and see if we can get some information about the situation. So the party is uh, essentially a... Lo- what's the elephant race? Loxa- uh, Loxodon. 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 Essentially a Loxodon. Uh, a lupine, which is essentially a humanoid wolf. Um... A gnome with a boar, like a gnome ranger who rides a boar, a uh, wood elf druid, and a air genasi sorcerer. So they decide, okay, well, the wood elf druid looks the most normal, so he should be the one to go talk to the cultists. And I'm sitting there like, you're not going to send the charisma-based sorcerer. Okay, great idea. Um, Fucking brilliant, mate. Yeah, so they send... The wood elf druid, who is my roommate's dad in real life. This is like his one of his first few games of D anD D, and he's enjoying it. It's so funny. Um, they send him in the cultist robes to go talk to the cultists. So he walks up to the cultists. They raise up their hands and they say, "Hail Tiamat!" And he goes, "Cool beans." <laughs> Holy shit! Of all the fucking things they could have said. Cool beans. Cool beans. And that has become the phrase of that king. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, the question that needs to be asked. Did it work? Well, he followed it up with, that's what he was saying as a person and not as a character. And so I let that slide, but the just the image of the druid walking up and saying cool beans to these cultists had everyone <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> So I'm like, no, 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 you know what, you know what, just cool beans. You say cool beans. <laughs> I don't remember. I think they ended up having to fight the cultists and kill them. I don't remember, honestly. At this point, if you I, approach like, a bunch of cultists and say cool beans, I think you, I think legally they have to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just a rule in every campaign mm-hmm. I'll ever run for universal. Mm-hmm. Cool oh, beans is fun. the fighting words. Them's fighting words. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Ah man. Uh, Spy, do you have a funny moment? I have a bunch, man. Um, Just pick one. Pick one for that. How can I pick one? Oh, oh, I know the one. I think I don't think you've ever talked about it in an episode, but it's just which one? Which one are you thinking? I'm talk. I'm thinking about Mantavor. Oh, that one! Oh, I was gonna go for Eat My Ass, Ghost Pirates, but... <laughs> Do both! Oh my god! Okay, well, the first one requires less context. Um, let me see, I wrote down the, uh, the issue here. Um, there it is. I'm going to raise both- so, okay, we're being chased by Ghost Pirates. Mm-hmm. I, and I said, I'm going to raise both middle fingers and scream, Eat my entire ass, Ghost Pirates! And then one of my friends, everyone lost it, of course. And one of my friends goes, roll to eat ass. 
<laughs> and the DM replies, rolling to eat ass. Critical miss! Ass is eaten, but it is not yours! <laughs> I got another one, actually, from, like, way back when, once you get Oh, this. please, please. No, let's take turns, you go. Oh, okay, um... So this is, like, my first campaign. Like, this, the second... I, part of the way through the, my first campaign, my DM, this is the shitty DM, uh, was running, like, two or three groups at the same time. Uh, they were all in the same world, which is a cool uh, idea in concept, but in practice was not so well done. Um, but regardless of that, uh, we were supposed to get rid of these guards on one side of the barracks while the other team got into um, the armory to try and, like, steal all their stuff, essentially. and uh, so we're dealing with all these guards that are running around the corner and like trying to, you know, be backup for our assault on this barracks. The barracks ended up being completely destroyed, which I'll explain in a second. But there was one guard who, between like four people, got he got he tripped on grease, he got set on fire, he got shot, and then he got uh, electric like hit with an acid bolt, and then he got set on fire again. No, I missed again. And but I fired this... and I missed. And I fired, <laughs> I fired and I missed. Yeah. <laughs> but this poor man, we start because he was on on the ground on fire almost constantly. We started calling him Darth Vader. <laughs> and so after like so many rounds, we were like, "Is Darth Vader dead yet?" And he said, "No." And we're like, "Is this guy just gonna kill himself?" And my friend goes, "Is that a will save?" <laughs> <laughs> it's over ended- mannequin i have the high ground <laughs> what ended up being the last straw for this poor poor man was my friend cast mage hand grabbed his genitals and just pulled no and that was what that was what the dm decided killed him <laughs> no wait you can't harm people with mage hand unless you use the ring of the grammarian dude. oh i was gonna say unless you use a ring of the grammarian and make it rage hand <laughs> oh my god no it wasn't it wasn't that he was like punching him or anything. He was just grabbing and pulling. And that's five pounds of force at the least. But oh. like, no, it, it, my it, dick fell off. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, that was when the DM was like, "This poor guy. This he's just he's dead. He just he he just dies." I'm sorry, but I need to call out your old DM because there's no way in hell I wouldn't not make him become a recurring villain. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he was not a very. So. Yeah, but just there, just all you need is there was a necromancer there, and like <laughs> at the very end of the campaign, bring him back. It as was like Darth a Vader the entire time. <laughs> bring him back as a Death Knight. She's <laughs> like, you've set me on fire. You <laughs> threw acid at me, but most of all, you ripped off my balls, and for <laughs> that, you will die. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. Oh my god. Ah. Uh. I gotta say, I gotta do the, I gotta do the fucking Mantivore story. Okay. Yes, please. <clears throat> well, the thing is, we kind of spoiled the punchline, but here, it, I'll go, I'll go anyway. So, my DM had had a bad day, and decided that while we were, he was one of those sort of nitty gritty DMs where you actually had to camp out while traveling across the land and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one day, like we set up the watch and whatever. And it was in the middle of the night, and he decided to throw two fucking manticores at us, which we Jesus. weren't prepared for. So, 
what ended up happening was we fought and we were like um we almost killed one of them but the other one was still harassing our sorcerer who by some miracle of neurap neurosynapse firing remembered that the dm had previously given us a bag of devouring oh no and he said i'm going to i'm going to have the bag of devouring eat the manticore I'm going to put it over the manticore's head and see what happens. And the DM goes, all right, just roll me a straight up D20. We got a 19. <gasps> so the, the sorcerer puts the bag of devouring over the manticore's head somehow. And there's just a colossal... <laughs> and the manticore is fucking gone. It was swallowed whole. And from that point forward, we called that the bag of voring. Oh my god, Mantivore. <laughs> yeah, we called that session the Mantivore session. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> that's resourcefulness for you. Yep. Don't give your players something if you don't expect them to use it. It's true. Do you think it's, it's time to segue into a segment, Spy? Um, yeah. I think so. The only thing that I would, I would suggest, uh, the only, the last thing that I wanted to point out as being one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in a session is that time where you, as a Rotterin, bottle roll to bottle flip your thermos full of vodka and dab to impress the Bigfoot god. <laughs> that was a metal thermos, I think, is all to remember. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, no. A Rotterin could hear Sasquatch, who is a god in her head, oh. and just um... A I think because shows... she put her foot on a fucking rune or something. Yeah. And and B just goes, I rolled to bottle flip my thermos full of vodka and dab to impress Bigfoot. <laughs> and I just said, alright, give me a roll. Natural fucking 20! <laughs> <laughs> because every time you do something stupid, it has to be a 20. Oh yeah, that and I roll to yeet the bugbear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this Roll five foot nothing elf staple. ranger who has a fucking strength modifier of four, and the seven foot bugbear warlock who has a strength modifier of minus one somehow decided that the best way to attack the final boss in this dungeon was to perform get help from Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it in the exact opposite configuration, which was this five foot nothing elf hoisting a seven-foot bugbear and just fucking heaving him at the moth. <laughs> Natural 20, of course. Oh, yes. We were, in the, we were in the um, uh, the Black Cat's Cafe, which is the sort of coffee place underneath my dorm, and it was like 10 p.m., and we just, like, started yelling at the oh, Nat no. 20, and everyone, <laughs> everyone else was like, what the f*** is going on? And we're all screaming, crit, 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 crit! <laughs> I'm sure. Good. I'm sure Star is well aware of rolling to yeet, right? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. With the like, I, so I'm involved in like four different games. Um, three of those games, one of which was the Lawful Stupid podcast, within a week of each other, yeeted the small characters. <laughs> How many times did Oslo get yeeted? Oslo only got yeeted. Oslo. No, I guess she got yeeted twice because she had to get thrown over the second time because we're idiots and we can't figure out how to yeah. say the freaking thing in Elvish. 
Yeah. I mean, to be fair, let's point out from last week's episode, um, if you get enough of your PCs in a line and just, oh. yeah, the railgun. Yeah, B was telling me about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I think this All is right. the way to transition. All right. So I think that's how transitioning works. Um, which one do you want to do first? Cursed Homebrew or... Uh, or... I, th I think we got to save Cursed Homebrew for last. Cursed Homebrew has oh, got to be last. Okay. okay. Because so I know what you do. have in store and it's just, <laughs> it's too good to put first. You're right. So are we doing terrible D&D &D ideas yes. we need to try right um, now? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm looking through my tag and I'm looking for absolutely horrible D&D ideas that I must try out ASAP. And I think what I'm going to go with is how far does necromancy go? <laughs> this is a post by user Sword Lesbianism. Wonderful, wonderful username. Thank you. Does necromancy only work on animals? What do you do if you accidentally necromancy a fence and it starts growing branches? <laughs> what do you do if you necromancy a bottle of shampoo and it turns into an entire pile of limes? What if I accidentally necromancy a vaccine and then someone gets an armful of very live pathogen? What's the limit on deadness? How recently does something have to be dead? Could I necromancy a dinosaur fossil? What if I necromancy the ground and dinosaurs started appearing? What if I necromancy a limestone wall and it just turned into a pile of mollusks? What if I mollusk the building? Hey, OP, are you okay? No. <laughs> and then my addition was, Sorry, Professor, I accidentally necromancied my homework. Uh, that would explain the newly undead grove of saplings you handed in. <laughs> because when you think about it, necromancy can extend to anything you want. That also, that also brings in the question of usefulness, because if you don't need to make a fence branches, then why would you? For the fucking hell of it? Why not? True. Also, the, that kind of... The fence post question in particular makes me feel like that necromancy and druidism start to kind of like intertwine there because I feel like a druid could awaken the wood enough to make it grow. Golgari, Golgari. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. Necromancers, when it comes down to it, are just really good at recycling. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very late healers. Golgari, Golgari. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I like the Guildmaster? Guy, I an I idea like from a discussion in World Anvil a while ago, and it was the Benevolent Order of Necromantic Environmentalists, Bone. Their main headquarters is the Bone Zone. Oh my god! <laughs> well, this just makes it official. Everyone listen to this has to play a Circle of Spores Druid now. I'm sorry. I don't make the... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Circle of Spores is really cool. It is. <clears throat> right up there with I'm, Grave Cleric, I think. I think I'm just going to go with Decrees now and just put the Bari symbol with no context. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners who aren't in the server, Royal Decrees is basically our Hall of Legends channel where we pin um, memorable quotes such as Crimbo Limbo um, <laughs> or Went Go. <laughs> went, went, go. Oh, God. Went, so, yeah. go, will haven't be hung if the dry is wet. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you ever been far has decided to use? What? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I can't fucking see. 
<laughs> shall shall we explain went go or just leave it? I ten leave seconds. It, explain it ten... to me later. Yeah, explain right. it after the after okay. the recording. Okay. Okay. Just just went go will happen to be hung if the dry is wet. Of course, yes. So yeah, that's is that, that is that yes that is that's awful D and D ideas are you trying that to is um I'm just I'm still thinking of like ways that you if you necromancy plastic it just turns into a bunch of fucking phytoplankton like <sighs> if you <laughs> I like I like that necromancy has become a <laughs> if okay if you even if you extend it to like metaphorical use of the word life if you necromancy anything. But especially, like, I guess, ugh, heavy metals. Will it become a, just a fucking star? Well, because yeah, so technically all things come from stardust. Like, right, all right. the elements are made in stars. Like, at what point do the components no longer represent what they originally were? Right. Where is the, where is the line with necromancy? Right. That's, that's something that you can have fun with in your game, is... Where finding the line of necromancy, like yeah. how ridiculous um, can you get with your necromancy? Can I? Can I? Never can allowing I... necromancy in my games ever again. I had a, <sighs> I had a character, uh, a player who was new, who was enabled by my other friend, who's a very, very experienced player. Uh, he enabled her to create an army of the undead. Oh. And created, I... uh, created a pet, uh, Frost Frolin Jorogumo, that was way too high of a CR for them to have had at that level. Um, so yeah, no more, uh, no more necromancy ever. <laughs> I will throw out, I will say, I will say on record, I'm going to put two words, two things together that shouldn't go anywhere, but I think we're getting to that point now. Like what go? <clears throat> sort of, but we've been talking about where is the line of necromancy and the chaotic ability it has. So to DMs out there, I throw you this chilling challenge. Wild magic necromancy. Have You're fun. right, those words should not go together. <laughs> That's terrifying. Have fun brewing that, you motherfuckers. Oh, oof. I okay. saw I just I saw really sorry. I just looked at the notes for this post and user Pizza Loving Nerd says, What if you necromancied my love life? Would it come back or just fizzle out? Ouch! I just wanna say, pizza loving nerd, if you're if you're listening, I'm sorry, bro. Who hurt you? <laughs> Who fucking questions. hurt you? Guys, a little a little recorder and a little like little you know, thing that a speaker, I couldn't say the word speaker, just came okay. on and made static sound. And I'm just like, did I just necromancy my speaker? <laughs> 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 Oh, so I saw a really good idea for a um uh, a trap in a dungeon, where if they hit the button or they trigger the trap or whatever it is, all of the bodies of the creatures that they have defeated so far in the dungeon raise. Oh, so everything from evil. everything behind them <clears throat> becomes zombified versions of what they were. That or whatever you want okay. To call it. That was designed by a DM who is looking for TPK. Or a DM who's having trouble controlling their party, me. Uh, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Right, Pat Pathfinder's rough when your PCs know how to fucking play. Fair play, I suppose. I wouldn't know, but <clears throat> maybe it's for the best. <sighs> so, back to questions, I suppose? Yeah, I, I think that covers it for absolutely horrible D&D &D ideas I must try out immediately. Which one? <laughs> 
Uh, All of them. So moving back. Hey, Ray, thanks for asking a question. Uh, how do you handle out of game player conflict at the table? Ooh, that's a hard one. Yeah, I, I'm lucky enough that I haven't really had to deal with that much. Or if, like, if I had to deal with it, I was the one in question with the out of character person, not okay, the out of table person, because I had a big breakup when I was a DM and my D- my boyfriend was in the group, but Ooh. he just kind of like he just kind of like removed himself, so it didn't end up being that big of an issue. Fair. I will I will throw out there, <clears throat> you could. You could sixth grade coach this shit and just go, hey, leave that shit off the field. Yeah, really. You could. I mean, if there, if if two of your players have beef, it is inevitably going to cause beef at the table. It is. This is just no true. matter how much you insist that it, you leave it off the off the table. Touchdown, Tom! Come save there. them. <laughs> <laughs> I said sixth grade coach. You knew that was coming. Sorry, you just fucking murdered me. Uh, <laughs> and he Touchdown, fucking Tom. died. No. Touchdown, Tom. They're only children. <laughs> Do something. They're children. Um. Listen, if you have Magnus and Brody beefing at the table, right? Uh, <laughs> sometimes, like, sometimes there isn't going to be a resolution, and one of those people is going to leave. Like, sometimes that just happens. But it's true. It sometimes you might need to if you feel like it's disrupting play too much then you might need to disrupt, like, you might need to put the game on pause for a while and just help, either help them sort it out or wait until they sort it out themselves. Yeah. And, like, it's it's definitely something to communicate about outside of your game. Don't wait until something happens inside of your game to be like, okay, you guys should settle this. If you know something's about to go on and you guys are about to play, you need to sit them down and be like, okay, can you guys keep this out of the game? Because if you can't, then I'm either going to need one or both of you to leave or you guys are going to have to figure this out right here because this game is for everyone in the group. That's one of my like cardinal rules of D&D is everyone is there to have a good time and everyone is there to tell a story together. And if your personal beef is going to impact my or the other three or four players worth of you know enjoyment of this game, D&D is sacred, and you're not going to let me do that. I'm not going to let you do that. So That's fair. Exactly. It's communication. Yeah, I will, the, I, I will the, throw out there, the title of Dungeon Master does not mean, does not give you the title of their therapist. No, absolutely not. Don't feel like you, you're obliged to resolve this yourself. You're not. Of course. If you want nice. to, yeah. then that's, that's all you. But it's don't feel so like you like, have to. Yeah, it's not so much like be a therapist for them and mediate their conflict. You don't have to do that. Just tell them... That just communicate. Yeah. Either resolve yeah, exactly. it or keep it off the table. Oh yeah. No, that was I was not trying to say that to counter yeah. your point at all. Absolutely. I was just Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. Yeah. Just it because I I worry it could sound like we're saying you gotta deal with it. You don't. No, not at all. You you, you do it, you, you protect you. It's not so your and also it's not your fault. Like I don't know how many <clears throat> For many DMs out there, I know like seeing your party fall apart could be really hard mm-hmm. and like really sad because you're their DM. You've imagined their their end game. You've imagined their glorious moments together. You know, and more than that, you're, you're their friend too. Right. Exactly. Yes, so be. watching, I mean, if you're not so, their friend, what do you right. So if you're <laughs> watching your rocket ship that you've put love and effort into start to fall back to Earth, it, it it's hard. It it sucks. Mm-hmm. 
really just have to say is it's not your yeah and also like beyond that like seeing two friends not getting along is is rough even if it's of course even if it's not like hard feelings it's just like a change in their you know in their personal relationship it's uh, uncomfy which is why like (laughs) although that's kind of why i gave uh, actually never mind i'm not gonna bring this up (laughs) fair well dnd for a lot of people who play is a form of escapism and that that's absolutely true oh exactly that's absolutely true of a lot of my friends that i know and it sucks when you're the thing that you use to escape also brings you into contact with the person with the conflict that you're trying to escape from. Right. Yes. So yeah, in I that think... case, it may it may mean having to put it on pause. It's it, it's honestly up to you as a DM to determine like, hey, how do we as a group want to handle this? Because as as much as these two people need to figure out their conflict on their own. This game involves everyone, and as a DM, you got to make sure that your party is having a good time. And yeah, like, and you're having a good time. Yeah, equally. like don't don't be a therapist necessarily, but make the call as to whether or not like do you guys need to resolve this, or do you guys need to play, or do you guys need to like keep it up? And it's table? hard. Like, what do we it's need to hard do? to hear, but no DM better than bad DM. Right. Mm. Well. I Thanks, think that Ray, covers that question. Sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that covers that question. Yeah, we yeah. are serious in D and D sometimes. It's true. Uh, these next three are pretty easy, I think. Uh, how do you make horror scary without being cheesy? Uh... <laughs> Leave it to me. Um... This is all you, Star. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Take okay, the floor. Okay. So I'm still I'm still developing my horror style. Uh, oh, for anyone who uh, doesn't listen to Lawful Stupid or is not on the Lawful Stupid Discord, I, as a person, also work at a haunted house. And it's actually, like, one of the more famous haunted houses in America. Um, so I know just a little bit about scaring and horror, but scaring in a haunted house is very different from scaring in a D&D game. I imagine scaring in a D&D game is much more like trying to design a horror video game a little bit because you have to keep the ambiance in mind you have to keep the timing in mind you have to keep like the way you describe things and the way you bring things in in mind um and running curse of strahd i'm kind of really developing this for myself but i know that the tips and stuff that i have seen revolve a lot around descriptions your descriptions of things like personify things like the howling of the wind the screeching of the fingertips of the uh, trees as they whack, you know, whack up against each other. Um, the weeds that are grabbing at your ankles as you try and walk through. The mist that buffets up against you. It's personifying and describing these things as being uncomfortable, as being unpleasant. But then there's also that sense of suspense that you've got to put in there. Something. Sometimes it's your tone of voice. Sometimes it's the small clues that the characters find as they're walking through this house. And sometimes, especially with the D&D group, you're all friends. You're all having a great time, and you guys are all making jokes constantly. And sometimes that's going to be good to, you know, lighten the mood right before you drop the really scary thing on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the fastest way to induce pure, unadulterated terror in your players is to just like roll a dice, look at the number, nod and chuckle to yourself, and just keep 
going as That's if nothing true. Had happened. I do love that trick. Or just, or just make them make them constantly roll perception checks. They're yeah, gonna fucking well, flip. Yes, as mechanically, that's those are some of the best ways. Like uh, beyond the storytelling aspect, mechanically, those are definitely some of the best ways to start inciting dread. Is to just be like, okay, make this check for me. Okay, cool. Uh, and then just keep going and, and continue. Make, yeah, make make a wisdom save for me. Okay, cool. And then just keep going. Um, <laughs> or especially like. Save. Things especially scare the shit out of people. The it's problem, true. the problem with making them roll saves is, what if they get a critical fail? Like, that is a possibility. So and then, honestly, you, if you're, yeah, if you're doing that just to be a dick and just to scare them, if they get a critical fail, you have to make something up on the fly. Or but that's or, also. You go ahead, B. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna say, or you just go, well, that's unfortunate, and keep going <laughs> and wait for it. Well, at that point, they start to invent things on their own. They're like, oh my god, I've failed something. And so if you just describe something mundane that like maybe their feet start to feel cold and they're like, oh my god, my feet are going to fall off. Like, <laughs> That's true. That's hear, true. There is nothing the more... There's nothing scarier than your own mind. The things exactly. that you invent. Like, I'm, I'm immediately reminded of the... The... Um, monologue hilbert's monologue from wolf 359 episode 11 am i alone now where he talks about why we're so afraid of being alone mm -hmm. and the part we're that we're not alone exactly the part that i love most is the scary part of being alone is not thinking i am alone no the scary part is the corner of your mind that whispers back how can you be sure? <laughs> it's Wolf we'll Three Nights. Oh, I fucking love that show. It's literally yes. my favorite piece of media ever. So good. My, I will throw out there. Uh -huh. My favorite instance of using fear uh, was, I think, back in episode because the enemy they were up against were mean locks, and those are fun. And what I remember was I had each of them. They entered the den to see if they were hit accidentally by the psionic jitter of the creatures. Like right. if them entering the area made them hear anything. And, mm -hmm. and the thing was, what they heard was just noise. No one else heard it. And so they were inventing what it was, and it was fun. The mean locks were a fun enemy. <laughs> I no. parodied them a bit later because they were like level 10, and I brought them back just, just as kind of a goof. Because you can, because they're CR two. But when you're at a low level, those things are horrifying. Now, um, it can uh, backfire on you a little bit because I remember specifically once, um, I when I was playing in a campaign, we were going into a graveyard, and I was saying like, "Oh man, there better not be freaking zombies who are going to like dig out of these graves." And the DM looks at me, and he's like. There are hands digging out of the ground. Roll for initiative. No. <laughs> and then, you killed, you and, killed it. And then, and then we went into the tomb. And I'm like, uh-uh. Those things are going to open up. And skeletons are going to come out and attack us. And he just looked at me. He said, just roll for initiative. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you did it <laughs> I again. Need to. Yeah. I, I like plot, had plot sense like three times that whole time. So the, the, there's... It was it was still scary because I knew it was going to happen, but sometimes just the inevitability, if you 
play into it instead of being like, oh man, you guessed it. Be like, yes, you've guessed it. And now it's going to be so much worse because you have. If you lean into it, sometimes just your unadulterated like love of the pain as a DM like helps terrify them. Sometimes all you have to do is smile. Yeah. My favorite uh, time I did something similar was they were in an, it was the dream episode. They were up against the final, like this creature that basically haunts nightmares and such, you know, you know, the, Mm -hmm. and it, it brought down like the arena they were fighting in. And for a second, everyone was terrified of, and then I went, no, it's a dream. It's not (laughs) like rocks falling aren't going to hurt you dream <laughs> but 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 if you get dunked on in the dream you, you get dunked on not. in the real world <laughs> <laughs> and like just playing with it like the dream sense of what is a threat and what is threat. yeah it's it's not knowing yep the, the, the unknown the, the quickest way to scare a party yeah. is to take away control the, yeah lack of control and the unknown some of the best ways to get horror mm-hmm. Um, yep, but you then, can't do it too much because then you're just putting them on autopilot, and then exactly. and then it stops being amnesia and it starts becoming Five Nights at Freddy's. Exactly. Well, so some, and this is the last thing I've, I've really got, but the uh, my roommate is also a DM and he's just starting Curse of Strahd as well with a different group, uh, and he was talking about how he's got a plan for a certain area where there's a voice in Infernal that's saying this word over and over, but none of his characters know Infernal. So when they finally like go ask someone, hey, what does this word mean? They realize that the voice in Inferno was saying, look up, look up, look up. Oh, shit. Yeah. So then whenever they go back in, they're going to look up. And I I don't remember what he said the, uh, the thing was going to be. I guess it was some kind of demon or something. I don't remember. But I added to that because that actually goes into a physical aspect of haunting in a haunted house where if someone's distracted looking up at something that's, you know, they're afraid is going to jump down at them or that has already jumped down at them or that has drawn their attention, they are vulnerable for you to sneak up underneath them so that when they look down, you're there and they have no idea where you came from. So yeah. use, a, use a physical aspect as well. Distract them. Uh, you know, Pull their attention someone else so that you can uh, pull something up right next to them and then they turn around and boom, it's there. We did a haunted house for Halloween. I think Spire of Ever- uh, Reignited was one of my favorite episodes ever. But um, I think my favorite thing about that was that I learned it wasn't, it wasn't the stairs moving that scared them about it. It was the sound of the bolts falling out and realizing how permanent this was. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. Because the whole thing was I played with, instead of the house is haunted by a ghost, it is the residual magic in this like old arcane like fortress has just, gains some kind of sense of like sentience and it mm-hmm. is just vengeful because it has been left to run. That's awesome. So that was how it worked. That was how the building functioned and everything. It The real is because there were fake outs of creatures that could have been doing it. And then you realize they were prisoners of the house. Ooh. And because like the lore was that they were half dragon ghosts. Nope. They were prisoners. Then they saw a zombie beholder. They were like, clearly that's it, prisoner. <laughs> the realization that it was the building itself that was malicious was going to be make or break, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if it's set up right, it could be really scary and intense. 
but then again, you're with a group of people who are immediately going to look at you and ask you what you've been smoking because you're friends. Right. Yeah. So, so what I so obviously kidnap the happy character and make them spout out words and on behest of the soul of the house. Ooh, <laughs> yes. That's that's nice that, that's, that was fucked up. If you, if you play possession right, that can be great. And that's how Heather almost killed me for hurting poor Jitter. <laughs> I remember. I was there for that. I was. There, I was listening in on that episode, and oh, that's taking because agency you know. away from a from a player is a great way of inducing too, because now they're helpless. And whether that's through that's through possession or lycanthropy, which is one of my favorite things ever. Yep. Uh, it's just it's so the fun part was Jitter was an NPC, but he was set up from the start to be like the beacon of hope to the guest character. He was like he he is like bright half to Galdrea's dark half, you know. Mm-hmm. And so watching him get possessed, fight or flight, reflect our shatter Kai. Oh yeah. So that was. Okay. So the horror, I think we've answered. Um, yeah. <laughs> Real quick. So you said infernal, and that automatically reminded me. I can't believe I forgot. Funniest fucking session I have ever had in my life. <laughs> Uh-oh. Can I please tell you about this? Please go on. Yes, please. All right. So this is actually um, this is the group that I play with at university. This is my friend's group, um, and I ran the one shot called Wild Sheep Chase. Yeah, which is yeah. like one of the best fucking one shots in existence. I, know this. I swear I know to God. This one. So for those of you who aren't aware. The premise is that um, you run into a sheep, and that sheep uh, is turns out to be a wizard who was polymorphed into a sheep by his vengeful apprentice. And you are contracted by the sheep to go and either kill or imprison the apprentice and get the wand of polymorph back to turn this sheep wizard back into an actual wizard. And... Uh, I, I won't go into detail about the whole session because we could be here for another half hour. But what happened was our druid wild shaped into a hawk and flew into the house uh, where the apprentice was while the others outside caused a distraction by just doing some really fucked up shit to the minions. <laughs> and so the... Apprentice, I forget his name. I'll just call him Jim. Fucking Jim. All right. Jim walks out of the walks out of the front door onto the balcony because it's a it's a treehouse. He walks out onto the balcony and the door closes behind him and he's like looking at this commotion and he starts to take aim at the minions who are just completely fucked up and attacking each other because crown of madness. And our bugbear takes a shot at his hand from the woods and misses. So this crossbow bolt comes and impales itself in the wood because he was trying to, the bugbear was trying to knock the wand out of Jim's hand. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Jim turns to look at where this crossbow bolt came from. And then the druid came up with just like says, I'm in the house. Can I open the door? And I said, fuck, yes, you can. 
So he opens. So they open the door. She opens yes, the door. Yeah. It's a heavy oak door. He's not. Ex- Jim is not expecting the door to be opened because he's outside. It's fucking Looney Tunes up in this. <laughs> they <laughs> slam the open door. the door just right on this guy's face. Just wham! Completely. And they close the door. Dude is fucking pancaked on the wall. <laughs> I, I rolled and I'm like, alright, I'm gonna call that bludgeoning damage. Let me roll a d8. He got eight points of bludgeoning damage and I rolled a deck save. He got a nat one. Oh my to god. Hold on to the wand. So he drops the wand. She slams the door on him. He drops the wand. She grabs the wand close to the door. And this dude is fucking pancaked Tom and Jerry style against the wall, wondering what the fuck just happened to him. <laughs> is he Good. And he still doesn't know what the fuck happened. And then the the trio of other players out in the woods gets the brilliant idea to charge this motherfucker who is like 15 feet off the ground. So what occurs is the bugbear picks up the dragonborn and the elf in turn picks up the bugbear. So we have a yeet stack going. Oh my god. Elf runs 60 feet, yeets the bugbear, bugbear flies 60 feet, yeets the dragonborn, dragonborn manages to land fairly gracefully on the platform, and as this guy is peeling himself off of the side of the house, he finally comes to his senses only to be blasted with magic missile by this dragonborn which has just appeared in front of him. (laughs) This dance goes on, the bugbear gets heated up on there and comes up behind this poor motherfucker, all the while... The elf is chanting something in Infernal and is out of line of sight from poor Jim. This, poor Jim. Jim was just watching Fantasy The Office and having a good Saturday, and then he gets his fucking shit wrecked by a door, a dragonborn, and there's there's Infernal chanting coming from somewhere. They hogtie him, put an apple in his mouth, and drop him off the side of the balcony. I roll the con save. He pissed his pants and passed out. Oh my god. Finally, they carry him over to the wizard, who has been... Uh, the druid got the fuck out of there with the one polymorph the wizard back. The wizard has been restored to his original state and is just, like, kind of in fear of the party now. Because <laughs> they bring yeah. this hogtied Jim back to him, and he just goes... All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> do you want us to kill him no no <laughs> just dump him in jail please my i i want to move on to the last question but i have very 10 second version we ran death house as a halloween thing with my friends like last year and they came up with the best way i've never seen people outsmart the death house before but they did it because you know the final test like yeah. submit or don't. Right. What right, they right. did was one they one the right the one thing they had was a pocket spa from the Taz one shot. That was like the one game breaking thing. So when they entered the room, they had like someone sneak ahead and hear the one must die thing. And so the warlock who had like mask of many faces and some illusion magic decides to deck himself out as Strahd. And I went, that can't work. And then I have that flashback sequence that every crime show ever does, you know, with like the, the loud jump cuts, you know, the one yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Where I Absolutely. remember where I remember 
explicitly mentioning portraits of Strahd on the wall and his bust, so they know what he looks like. There's a whole statue of Strahd at the Death House. Right. So they know what he looks like. And then I remember that the cultists haven't communed with him before because Strahd doesn't care about these people. Right, right, right. So I'm like, they don't know his voice. Oh, oh shit, this could work. <laughs> so beautiful. So they, de- they used Minor Illusion on the pocket spot to make it all black and creepy looking, you know? They bring the pocket spot to the altar and have the tiefling who has like used magic to fade away the horns and stuff with mask of many faces and all to walk out like Strahd. And looks at them all and looks me in the eyes and says, if you want to sacrifice so bad, do it yourself. Oh! Oh That is beautiful. And I sit there and I think about it and I roll and it doesn't matter what I roll. (laughs) Yeah, really. They've, they've outwitted the world that I have set up because, yeah, what are they going to do? Deny Strahd at this point? If you want to sacrifice so bad, do it yourself. And I go on to describe a mass suicide. Oh, no, because... like, I, would, I would let them pass that just for the ball. They drank the Kool-Aid. Holy crap. And then the thing I realized was someone died. Yep. So one must die. So all the cultists kill themselves. And then I realize the trap can't be sprung anymore. So they just get to walk out. Yep. And I don't think that's ever happened to anyone I've ever talked to about the death house ever. Fucking iconic. Okay. Last question, I believe. Yep. This is it. How do you get those little details and minifigs? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. That's a whole rabbit hole in itself. There's so much practice, and they're like, you know, you gotta have some decent brushes that have a good tip on them. But you can't let the brush do all the work. You have to actually... <sighs> it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Well, I know you are planning to do something on the Lawful Stupid Twitch with painting, right? I am, actually. Uh, make this a, an ad spot for you. Here soon, I'm getting my setup ready uh, to do some weekly streams on the Lawful Stupid Twitch channel. Where I will be, I won't say it's like a, a sit and paint kind of thing, because I want to be talking about like the actual work behind mini painting out at the same time. Like my first, my plan for my first stream is going to be like, you know, the different brands and types of minis, uh, how to prepare them for painting. Maybe like if you want to like change an arm out or something, how to do some modifications or kit bashing as we like to call it. Um, so it's, I want it to be more like educational. So if you want to learn how to get those nice itty-bitty details, I maybe might be able to help you. I don't know. I'll find out. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's, I knew honestly, I could I would lead say, into that. I would say I practice. I knew I could lead. Practice is the big one. I knew I could lead into that, though. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, guys, it's been fun. But now comes the time that must end all times on 3DMs, where we <laughs> unveil oh, the cursed home. Yep, and I have a fucking curveball, because I have one that I've been given, but our dear guest star over here remembers one, and I think, I think I will go real quick first, and then I will let star take the floor. Well, honestly, I think mine is less, because I kind of know what yours is, mine is less surprising than yours, I think yours is more cursed than mine is, mine is just like, why would you ever let me play this? 
fair, fair. But I, I'll I'll go, and then we'll see how we're feeling after this 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 course. Okay, that's fair. <clears throat> so, let me let me begin with a pre-written, a little pre-written thing that I wrote last night because I had shower thoughts, and I had to write them down. <clears throat> you know the feel. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <clears throat> hey, remember Humblewood? The adorable deck of many expansion featuring adorable critters of the forest like birds, owls, squirrels, other adorable friends. We do. Money might be tight. And the D&D wiki has got you covered. Seemingly unconnected point, do you remember Google Phil Games? One especially spicy variant was your name, the Hedgehog. You know, <laughs> be the Hedgehog has just been an amorphous blob and I don't know how I feel about that. So to anyone who wants to play a hedgehog and doesn't have Humblewood money, lady and gent of the jury, may I present the Mobian. That's right, motherfuckers. Make your cringy 12-year-old Sonic OC in real. Oh my god. Now, <laughs> now I would like to supplement this with reading a bit, as we do, reading a bit from the Mobian page. Oh god. <clears throat> All right, bring it on. Mobians are a race of anthropomorphic animals that seek to coexist with nature and all other races. Their species has existed since time immemorial. Whoever, whenever one can find history, they can be assured Mobians were there to witness. Mobians are omnivorous, regarded of, regardless of the creatures they resemble. Mobians often seek interspecies relationships, courting humans, elves, etc. Expect any encounter with a Mobian to be casual, amicable, and above all else, fun. <laughs> Why does it sound like it's someone, like, trying to put themselves off in, like, a cover letter or something? Yeah, it, why, why did you need to mention the interspecies relationship thing, author? I feel like, I know, I feel like if we're going for, like, a, a Sonic level, like, that, that's that got to be part of it, because God knows Sonic fandom. You're right. But no, my thing is, like, expect any interaction with them to be casual, friendly, and fun. Like, is this an ad? B, I need you to run... <laughs> I need you to run Strahd, and I'm going to play a Mobian. No. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, okay. <clears throat> Mobians, since time began, have been guardians for the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> so if you have Mobians in your game, expect, expect <laughs> the Chaos hold on, Emeralds. Hold on. Sorry. I fucking choked on my apple. <laughs> so... Uh, gemstones of immense power, their entire religion, the Chaos Order, revolves around these seven multicolored gems. Without the Guardians of Chaos to guard and protect them, the entire world would fall into disorder. I shit you not. If you include this race, half, by nature of their religion, to homebrew the Chaos Emerald. And I hate yes. to tell you this, folks, there's not a link. You're on your own. <laughs> oh my god. There's the, the same author didn't write up the Chaos Emeralds. Nope, just, just left it there. You're on your own there, buddy. Now. Taco uh, chuckled. You mean the Chaos Emeralds? <laughs> you suck. <laughs> now, now, to get to the nitty gritty. Ability score improvement is your dex. They mature at age 12 and live to be 100. Hate that. Uh, That's Tend to true neutral. Usually three and a half feet. Size small. Their natural armor. Mobians can, of course, go without clothes and armor, feeling it too restrictive. When unarmored, your AC is 12 plus your dex. Hate that. Oh, don't so it's, it's broken. Don't bring up going in the nude. 
plus interspecies relationships in the same article on there, please. Yeah, OP, it's also very broken. OP, I'm going to throw your bones off a bridge. <laughs> now there's they can read common and one other language. They have ability where you can move through the space of any creature that is a size larger than more broken because they're small. Yeah. <clears throat> then they have two sub-races. The Vulpine, which gives their intelligence plus one, and they have advantage on being charmed, you know, on the play tales. And then the Hedgehog, which... Yeah. Oh, God. Take a guess. Take a fucking guess. Is the movement just... speed, like, 50 or something? No, no, just take a guess what ability score improvement gets upped. Remembering, Dex, Dex. is already off the table. It's already off the table. That oh. was natural. Charisma? Yes. Yeah. They even have, they're given the persuasion skill. <laughs> Give me your other gold! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you beat me to it! Oh my god, I was just... <laughs> I gotta go fast! <laughs> Instead of health potions, you recharge your health on fucking shit dogs! Yes! I hate it so much. I hate it so Holy much. Shit. It's broken, it's not good, and it's So hurt. does that mean that Tails is an artificer? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Sonic, we must defeat the egg. It's good. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. <sighs> Tails is You know what? I'm not gonna continue down this line of questioning. Please don't. Please don't. No. no. I just I'm just gonna end it with Knuckles has to be a monk and work there. Um <clears throat> <laughs> Anyway, fly. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Knuckles. <laughs> the Dragons and Knuckles. <laughs> You've killed me. It's no well, longer Dungeons and Dragons. It's Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> Sonic and Knuckles and Dragons. Oh my. <laughs> uh, uh, I hate Dungeons it. And diners and Dragons and Dragons. Oh my and god. Dive. So. Escape from Flavortown. <laughs> can, can anyone recover the cesspool? <laughs> How do you come back from that? I don't can. Oh, that's so bad. Oh god. I just someone just messaged me hot take play the Rick and Morty D&D campaign setting and no. Please After tell me that Sonic doesn't thing, exist. It does. After the yeah. Sonic thing, I hate that. Yeah, Rick and Morty did a uh, D&D expansion recently. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Anyway, oh it's because it's been a comic. It's been a comic for a while. Oh, that's right. Anyway, so do you think that that's... Do you think that this is it? Do you think that's right? Do you think this is I, it? I that, don't that's think pretty we can top that. Nope, nope. Definitely not. That's it's so bad. Just broke. the whole going in the nude made it... The, that, that, that made it. Yeah, just shoes, yep. boys. <sighs> I'm surprised because... they didn't mention just shoes. Well, but, 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 but if you... If, if we're assuming a character, if you're playing Sonic as this race, that you would have to have an 18 dex, making your dex bonus plus four. So if you have no armor on, that makes your AC 18 at level one. Fuck, you're right. It's not even like other armors where you add your dex with two limiter. Exactly. You just, at level one, you are very hard to hit. Just because you're there. I get it. <laughs> just I because get you're it. Sonic. I get Sonic. it. I get it. But I don't like it. No. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't. No. Mm -mm, nope. Here we go. It's in the I don't like the persuasion given freely either. 
not because I'm against not not because I'm against giving you skills, but because the the thing had to mention interspecies relationships and then gave hedgehog an ability called charming. So Ooh. that's that's why well, I hate it. Okay, so I'm and now I'm building this in my head because normally I wouldn't consider the persuasion skill to be an issue if you're playing anything other than a bard or a rogue. And if you're playing but Sonic, this begs the question. But if you're, if you're playing Sonic as Sonic, you have to take Rogue, because then at level 3, you get bonus action dash. You're right. This or is level true. Two, this you is get bonus true. action dash, and I'm sure you already have a ridiculous speed, so you just go. You're right. You gotta go fast. You gotta go fast. Fucking boost with that. Plus the, oh my we God. just talked about, just talked about breaking the speed limit. Yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. We just talked about breaking the speed limit last episode. Rolling around at the speed of sound. We have to redo all the calculations. Follow my rainbow. We have to redo all the calculations. I have I have a rogue with boots of speed right now. So boots of speed doubles your movement speed, obviously. Oh, oh I've just been I, I had to look. I had to look back because what? they do give you a base speed, and I was like, I passed it what up. Is it? It's always 30, it's 40. I thought so. Her okay, so in that case, 40. if you are a level two Mobius and Rogue, and you have bonus action dash, you can double move with this boots of speed, meaning 80, 80, which means 160, and then that bonus action dash uh, gives you an extra movement speed, which means another 40, so you can move 200 feet in a round. Also, if you take levels in Monk, you can get uh, Step of the Wind. Would you know that that would have to be the next step after two levels of Rogue? Because he doesn't oh, yeah. really use weapons. Are we just building Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> We have accidentally built Sonic in D&D, guys. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thanks. What have I we hate done? It. Wait, wait. Does this make the spin dash an, un uh, an unarmed attack? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <gasps> oh my god. Wait a fucking second. Hold on. V, you've literally Son just bowled me over. No, wait, fuck, I need to say this. You do do this build. This build, if we do this, you cannot focus on your attacks. It has to be all opportunity attacks, baby. AOOs, oh my god! Oh my god. Because that's a real spin dash. Yeah. Well, and also, talking about it, the, the character potentially taking monk levels, monks also don't wear armor, correct? Oh god. You're right. This oh my god, what have we done? <laughs> we took something broken and broke it even more. That's what we fucking did. So Sonic in DD is broken. Uh enough said. <sighs> Wait. Sonic Sonic flat out is broken. Like we, yeah. we I, all been yeah. new. He's a Gary's too for sure. I I need to throw one more thing out there because I think okay. it's worth mentioning. Okay. Because guys, we're forgetting something integral here and that is someone would have to do the voice the entire the voice? campaign yes if you if if someone wanted to play sonic in a campaign of mine well i would say no second of all they would have to commit to that role play experience and it oh, has yeah. to and you have to pick you can't double dip you have to pick steve urkel ryan drummond or fucking jason griffith you <laughs> have to pick you have to pick. <laughs> now, here's my thing. I'm significantly cooler Classic Sonic than modern in my game. <laughs> because you know what the best part about Classic Sonic is? He doesn't talk. Yes. <laughs> he taps his foot. 
could you imagine could you imagine you like do all this player builds this character with such high persuasion and then you just tell them, okay but you can't talk sign language is talk. a thing motherfucker body language is a thing motherfucker oh god <laughs> i just hold on you said that and it brought to mind a mental image of sonic just doing the hip thrust and i fucking hate yes those. yes <laughs> Working up to someone. Wait, wait, <laughs> guys. <sighs> you, you do realize? I think. I think Sonic needs at least one bard level, or the Magic Initiate feat, specifically because he can't not have vicious mockery. Because think of all the times his voice line made you want to throw. <laughs> fair. Um, yeah. Very fair. I think we're done here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, don't I think, think we should stop while we're ahead. I think we can't. Yeah, we can't continue on this train. <laughs> That's thought. it, folks! Oh, God! I'm closing this. Bye, everybody. Actually, no, that's right. Star, I, yeah, one yeah, last we're, second. We're one last second. Yeah. So please, please what? give us a moment. Please tell us a little bit about we can find you. Oh. Anything that's not Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cleanse the palette real quick. Well, uh, you can find me now on the Sonic Amita. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, oh my god. So that was yeah, a joke. I I am Star, also named as known as Savannah. My uh, name Star comes from Walking Your Star, which is my Instagram handle. I put uh, all my D and D related art, and usually my D Instagram stories relate to my dogs. So if you want to see dogs and art, then go follow that. I also have Walking Your Star underscore minis where I post all of my uh, miniature painting adventures, which have been a little bit, uh, you know, um, sparse lately, but with the uh, Lawful Stupid stuff starting back up, then that should be uh, going back up again. I am also a cast member of Lawful Stupid. I, like I said, I play Oslo the Kobold. Uh, we are running Campaign 2 right now, and you can find that on Podbean, on iTunes, on Google Play, pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasting materials. Uh, you can also join our Discord and go hang out with us. It's I assume it's very similar to the Frostwalkers uh, Discord. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, same, lots of D&D talking. Lots of good times, lots of good friends. Um, yeah. yeah, that's me. All right, everybody, it's been a blast. Oh, God. <laughs> Got a blast! Wait, no, no that's okay. Jimmy Neutron, not Sonic. <laughs> Fuck! See, no, I said that, and then my brain... That's blast perfect. processing, and I killed myself. <laughs> All right, we're done here. Before anyone right. can say anything about speed, we gotta get out of here fast as fuck. Oh, shit, no! <laughs>